So, um, last I heard, we are in Exodus, um, book of Exodus, and it uh, looks like we're in chapter 34 still. Uh, um, Frankie Ray, brother Frankie, uh, started off the chapter last week, and we're going to try to finish it uh, tonight. Um, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff in this passage, including the first mention of medicine in the Bible. God gave Moses two tablets. <laughs> I had to. And, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, anyways. Uh, okay, I got one more. We see, Mo- <laughs> we see Moses that he was also very advanced in technology. Uh, he was the first person with a tablet to download information from a cloud. <laughs> it's comedy hour. <laughs> so anyways, um, anyhow, uh, let's dive in. Um, as we know, the Ten Commandments, they've been broken by the people of God. They've broken God's commandments at the foot of Mount Sinai. Uh, as Moses was up on Mount Sinai receiving the tablets from God, uh, the children of Israel were uh, worshiping this golden calf, you know, in in, in an idolatrous way, um, you know. And really, we see uh, throughout chapter thirty-two up until this chapter thirty-four, uh, we see there's an apostasy, there's a judgment, and there's a renewal in an entire section. And we're going to try to wrap that up tonight. Um, um, the people were led into. Uh, Great sin, as we know, by Aaron, and God judges the people, and, and he slayed uh, 3,000 of them last time. And we're just going to backtrack just a little bit from last time, just to kind of get a feel for the flow, if we don't mind. Um, so let's, let's do that. Um, you know, last time, uh, you know, start, verses, uh, starting with verse 1 of 34, uh, we see the renewed tablets of the law. Uh, Moses receives them directly from the Lord. Uh, you know, God commands him to cut the you know two tablets of stone like the first, and God was going to write on them the words that were uh, on the first tablets that Moses had uh, physically broken. Um, you know, the people broke them in principle, but Moses kind of threw them on the ground and, and they physically broke. Um, you know, and and uh, the Lord Yahweh, uh, even in verse one of thirty-four, He says that I will write on these tablets. Um, it's God's words that are being written on them. Um, so Moses received, uh, you know, the appointed time, you know, in the morning to go up on Mount Sinai and God says, you know, to present yourself to me there on top of the mountain in verse two. And, uh, Moses receives the instruction to go up alone. Uh, no man was to go up with him as we learned last time. Uh, no man was to be seen throughout that whole mountain, as a matter of fact. Uh, it was a holy mountain during that time, and uh, uh, as God's presence was upon it, no flocks or herds were to be feeding on that mountain. So, you know, the animals probably would have died or something, you know, if, if there was anything living other than Moses and God on that mountain. Um, and we saw last time in verse 4, uh, that Moses completely obeys the words of God. You know, he cuts the c- tablets in stone like the first ones. And uh, he rises early in the morning as God commanded him. 
and he took in his hands the two tablets of stone. And, you know, this is, is Moses. You know, he's the servant here. You know, he's one who obeys the commands of the Lord. You know, even going up on this mountain alone and, and meeting with God at the appointed time. Um, so, you know, last time we, we saw uh, the renewed revelation of God to Moses. You know, the presence of the Lord appears uh, in verse 5 last time. Uh, the Lord descends on the cloud as before in the cloud. Um, and some of us may know that clouds are often used as evidence of the presence of God, both in the New and the Old Testament. Um, you know, we have an example in the uh, book of Daniel, chapter 7. He says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. You know, the Ancient of Days, uh, Nahum. We see the Lord is slow to anger, great in power. Uh, he will not acquit the wicked. The Lord has in his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. So, you know, we do see that, that it's a, a symbol of the presence of God when there's clouds. Um, you know, was, we know the second coming is described uh, in clouds with great glory. Not great glory, but great <laughs> glory. <laughs> Gotta watch a tongue twister. Um, and, and... And God stood with Moses, uh, we see in verse 5 last time, that, um, you know, God, God uh, you know, physically, with physical feet, isn't standing with Moses, but it's uh, he's using a her- human term to describe the actions of God. Um, the standing with Moses really indicated a oneness with Moses that Moses had with God on the mountain. Um, you know, Moses was innocent of this sin of the golden calf being worshipped, you know, and that's why God, he was able to, to stand with, with God on the mountain. Um, so, you know, the Lord proclaims uh, his name in last time in verse 5, um, you know, revealing God's character, his authority, his power, and God's nature was proclaimed. He proclaimed his own nature uh uh, to Moses in verse uh, six and seven last time, um, you know, as we know from the Ten Commandments that we've gone over, uh, the Second Commandment states that He is a jealous God, you know, not tolerating uh, other gods. Uh, so, so we learn that about about the nature of God, um, but also He He declares His attributes of of. Uh, of mercy as well. You know, the proper name for God is Yahweh, the existing one. Uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And and it's really coming from the verb form from Exodus chapter 3, I am who I am. Not I am what I am, like Popeye, but... <laughs> no, when we were kids, my mom, she was reading this to us and she goes, I am what I am. And we corrected her. We said, that, that's Popeye. <laughs> but it's I am who I am. You know, that's the verb form of, of God's name, uh, you know, the, the becoming one. Um, and this is the name of God to the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's a memorial to all the generations that we see in, in, in earlier in Exodus chapter three, you know, months ago when we went over that. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, God also declares his attributes, uh, you know, that he's merciful as well, you know. Uh, gracious, long-suffering, abounding with goodness, uh, and abounding in truth. Um, and on the flip side of that, God also promised his perfect judgment to Moses in verse 7. You know, if, keeping mercy for thousands, um, 
forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sins, and then also judgment, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. So really God's nature, who he is, is being revealed to Moses, you know, as he's on this mountain. Um, we see we see the different attributes of God, you know, that he's a God of mercy, God of love, and also a just God, you know, of, of, of judgment as well. <coughs> um, you know, and Moses' response, as we saw last time, was, was reverence. Uh, verses 8 through 9, he, Moses immediately bows his head towards the earth and he worships. Uh, um, and God had been true to his word. He forgave the people who repented from the idolatry, having broken the second commandment. And, and at the same time, he punished those who did not repent. We saw that in, in chapter 32. Um, you know, and Moses makes a petition to God in, in verse 9 last time we saw, uh, based on God's grace. Um, you know, if I, uh, now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord. Not because we're so good, you know, but he made this petition to God based on, on, on his grace. You know, we don't deserve anything good from God. You know, I don't deserve anything good from God. It's all, the only good in my life from God is, is purely from his, his grace given to me and, and to all of us. You know, and, um, you know, he, he asks and petitions the dwelling of God in their midst. Uh, Lest my, uh, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. You know, be with us, dwell among us. Um, he petitioned acknowledging their sinfulness. You know, even though we are a stiff-necked people, in verse 9, uh, he petitioned uh, for complete forgiveness. Pardon our iniquity, pardon our sin. Even though we're messed up, even though we're sinful, please you know, forgive us as a people. Um, and he even petitions for their adoption when he says, take us into your inheritance. You know, we're, uh, you know, as, as these were the children of Israel, children of God. And likewise, we are, you know, uh, in the, in the um, epistles, we see that, that we are also part of the inheritance of God as God's children, those of us who belong to him. You know, so... Um, Moses had already been promised by Yahweh that he would go up with them. You know, we saw that. Um, you know, the Lord had said to Moses uh, uh, in verse 17, the verse right before our text tonight, uh, I, I have also uh, done this thing that you may be spoke, that you have spoken and you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. Uh, and then Moses says, you know, please show me your glory. And, and, and Yahweh says, I will make my goodness pass before you and I will pro proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and compassion to whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face uh, for no man shall see me and live. You know, God asked the Lord to, sh you know, let me see your glory. And then God said, you can't unless you don't want to live. <laughs> Nobody has, you know, um, So the Lord said, you know, uh, here is a place by me, stand on this rock, and it will be that my glory is going to pass by, and I will put you on the cleft of this rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by, and then when I take away my hand, you will see my back, uh, but my face shall not be seen. We, you know, in, in uh, verse, uh, up to verse 21 uh, and 23, so... Um, you know, we so we saw that happen. It's pretty incredible. Um, uh, 
So, you know, moving on, uh, we see the impartation uh, to Moses of this renewed covenant as we're moving forward, uh, starting, you know, in, in, in verse 10. Um, he says, uh, you know, the declaration of the covenant by Yahweh is made, the promise of God. He says, behold, I make a new covenant in verse 10. Uh, you know, we see the power of God uh, because all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done on the earth, nor in any nation, nor uh, all the people among you who see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do before you. Um, you know, and, and so he's going to do awesome things. And at the same time, in, in uh, verse 12 through 17 in that chunk there, he declares also warnings in view of this new covenant that's being renewed. Um, you know, they were to take heed of themselves to not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where they were going, uh, lest it be a snare in their midst. We see that in verse, uh, saw that in verse 12 last time. Uh, they were to destroy their altars, break down the sacred pillars, and cut down the wooden images, we, you know, idolatry. And that's where they kind of fell short with the golden calf and all. Uh, they were to worship no other god uh, but the Lord, whose name is Jealous. He is a jealous God, as we see in the second commandment. Um, you know, and and you know, you see that subtle compromise with lest we make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifices to their gods. And one of them, uh, you know, and then that's just where it all starts. You know, you just kind of start befriending the people that weren't part of, of God's covenant. And next thing you know, they're worshiping their gods, you know, and that's where that compromise starts. Um, you know, the, the outcome in verse 16 last time was uh, they would take the heathen daughters for their sons and the daughters play the harlots with their gods and make uh, the Israeli sons play the harlots with their gods. So next thing you know, you know, they're uh, playing matchmaker with, you know, the daughters and sons with their kids of uh, the inhabitants of the land. And next thing you know, they've broken their covenant before God. Um, it was the, the, the prohibition was that of idolatry. You shall make no other molded gods for yourself. So starting tonight... Uh, we're going to read verse 18. That's our text all the way to the end of the chapter. Um, uh, cha verse 35. So let's just read it like in one chunk and it'll kind of give us an idea for tonight. Uh, starting with verse 18, it says, The feast of unleavened bread uh, you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you in the appointed time of the month. Of Abib, for in the month of Abib uh, you came out of Egypt. All that opened the womb are mine, uh, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep. But the firstborn of a donkey shall be redeemed with a lamb, and you uh, will not redeem him. If you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck, and the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. Uh, and you shall observe the feast of weeks, of the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the feast of the ingathering at the year's end. Uh, three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord, the God of Israel. And I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. 
neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. And you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. Uh, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Uh, so he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. Uh, he neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets of the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now it was so when Moses came down from the mountain of Sinai, uh, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hands when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin on his face shone uh, while he talked with him, the Lord. And when Aaron and his children and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, uh, the skin on his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Uh, then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers in the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on the Mount Sinai. Uh, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off of his face. Uh, until he came out and he would come out and speak to the children of Israel whenever he had been commanded. Uh, and whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of his face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went to go speak with him. Speaking of the Lord. So that's our, our, uh, our passage tonight. Uh, so starting with verse 18, uh, we see the renewed covenant uh, command for the feasts and the Sabbaths to be kept. You know, God's just establishing this covenant between Israel and him. Um, you know, the, the, it was to be kept, uh, the feast of unleavened bread was to be kept for seven days. when They were to eat no unleavened bread uh, as God commanded them in verse 18. Um, and then we see in verse 19 through 20 that the firstborn belongs to God. Um, all that, are, all that opened the womb were his, every male among the livestock, whether ox or sheep. The firstborn of the donkey, we see, uh, were to be redeemed with a lamb. Uh, if, they were not, if not, they were to break its neck because the donkey was considered unclean. Um, and all the firstborn of their sons also were to be redeemed, we see in verse 20. Uh, none were to appear before Yahweh empty-handed. And, and really what that means is there's a supposed to have a grateful heart before God. You know, we don't come to God empty handed. We come to him with a heart that's grateful, you know, before him. We see in verse 20. Um, so that's the, the attitude they were to have towards God in, in observing all of these, uh, these, these uh, covenants. Um, so then in verse 21, he says, you know, six days you shall work, seven days, you sh seventh day you shall rest. Uh, the Sabbath is to be kept here. That's what we see. Uh, six days to work, seventh day uh, they were to rest. Uh, and this included in the plowing time and in harvest time, they were to rest. And it was really a caution against greed, you know, during that time. Because it's like, oh, I can get another day in, you know, and make a little more dough or whatever. But, but, but God, even during those times during harvest, he wanted them to still rest. Um, 
you know, and I, I mean, there's even studies physically and mentally and emotionally on people when you do have a time of rest, it, it, you do better in work, they say, you know, so it's easy. And I'm speaking for myself. Sometimes I just, I just got to keep going, going, going. But I mean, it's, it's good to have that time of, of rest, you know, not too much. And then we <laughs> don't go back to work, but, but, but having that time so that, and also to observe the, you know, the things of God. So, um, and then the other two feasts follow, uh, starting in, in verse 22, uh, you know, the feast of weeks, which is, uh, and then also the feast of ingathering or the, the feast of tabernacles, um, towards the end of the year. And, uh, we see God establishing that with his people, um, the presence of all the males were required in verse 23 says three times in the year, all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. Um, you know, three times a year indicating the three feasts that are mentioned. And, uh, he's saying all the men shall appear before the Lord, your God, uh, over the age of 20. Cause that was the age of going to war and also the age of going to worship in, in the old Testament. So, um, that, that's what the Lord had established. Uh, with them, uh, we see in verse 24, uh, you know, God's promising uh, protection on their land during the the three feast pilgrimages. Uh, he says, I, "I will cast out the nations before you, enlarge your borders." Um, when you observe these days of the Lord three times a year. You know, God would give them their land when he says he will cast out other nations and enlarge the borders. Uh, he's going to guard their land. Um, you know, neither will any man cover your land when you go to appear the Lord. So in other words, God will always protect the land of Israel, you know, and to this day we see that, you know, they, uh, you know, people don't understand it, how they're still able to defend themselves, you know, and, and, and always win. And it's, it's, it's because of the Lord. Um, so then verse 25, uh, we see kind of the, the, the rituals for the sacrifices for their feasts. Um, you shall not offer the blood of, you know, with any leaven, uh, which was a type of sin, you know, no, no yeast in their bread. Uh, and, and, and they were not. Uh, to leave the sacrifice of uh, sacrifice of the Passover feast until morning, um, you know, and they were also to bring the first of the first fruits of the land uh, to the house of the Lord their God in verse twenty six, uh, you know, and at the end there he says, "You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk," uh, which the Jews today even interpret that uh, they don't serve dairy with meat products. It's kind of a weird thing how just how it's interpreted but that's to this day that's how it is you know if you go uh be, because less the chance of the milk and the mother meat of the mother you know the same animal the same mother be in the same meal that's that's how they figure that and uh it's really interesting if you ever go to israel with the church or with another tour uh they don't serve dairy and meat together in the same meal at breakfast time you can get all the dairy you want you can get cheese you can get milk with your cereal you know, and all that. But um, at dinner time, when they serve meat, there's no uh, dairy at all. That's just how, you know, no 
no butter for your bread or anything like that. <laughs> That's just how it is, you know. No, no, unfortunately, <laughs> you get home and you're like, mm, so good. <laughs> Yeah, but that that's that to this day and it's it's a trip when you go. You you will see that. It it's it's very very clear that's how what they observe. So Yeah, the chicken and eggs. Yeah, everyone makes fun of me here at, during the week cuz there's a, a Lee's Hoagie House across the street. They have a breakfast burrito. It's chicken with eggs and I used to order it a lot and everyone would make fun of me and say, "Hey, you know, you're not supposed to boil it and your mother's the mother's milk." And I would argue that I was, you know, I'm under a new covenant and I, <laughs> it was like their specialty, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, so the Lord commands Moses uh, to write these sayings, and He says, "For according to the the tenor of the words I have made the covenant between you and between Israel," in verse uh, twenty-seven. Um, and and we see in verse twenty-eight here, uh, it says. Uh, that the presence of Moses with Yahweh on Mount Sinai was not just a few days here. Uh, Moses was with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, a total of 80 days. You know, it's pretty wild. This is the second time Moses has done this. We saw it again in verse, uh, chapter 24. Uh, and we also see, uh, you know, Moses didn't eat bread. He didn't drink water during this time. You know, it's not recommended because this, this was a miracle, really. I mean, no... After a week or so of no water, you know, you yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that that's what was going on here. Uh, and he writes down the tablets of the words of the covenant, you know, the Ten Commandments we see at the end of, of verse 28. So, so you know, kind of like an attorney, you know, the one who's handling a person's case, Moses here is the mediator, you know. For the people, between God and the people, and that's that's Moses's role here, and that, that's what's going on. So, um, you know, in the New Testament, you know, there's a new covenant, the covenant of grace, and it promises uh, the victory that has been won by Christ on the cross. Um, you know, Jesus promises that the gates of hell shall not prevail against His church. Uh, uh, he says that if we repent, he forgives us and, and gives us eternal life in John three sixteen, uh, and and he promises to impart power on us in in Book of Acts, you know, for service, um, and and he promises protection as well, uh, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, Romans, um, you know, the New Testament, the New Covenant uh, gives warnings also uh, for our good. You know, for those of us under the new covenant, um, we know that we're not to be unequally yoked with the unbeliever, you know, boyfriend or in this case, girlfriends or wives, since we're all guys. Um, uh, engagement, you know, marriage or even even in a business uh, setting, you know, Second uh, Corinthians is, is very clear about that. Um, we are not to conduct ourselves after the manner of the world standards, which will lead us away from Christ. The same way children of Israel were not to mingle and and get too familiar with with um, uh, those that were against God. Uh, we're not to go back to the old life. You know, Hebrews uh, chapter six lays that out, uh, crucifying uh, Christ again. You know, rather we're to crucify our flesh, uh, and and the entire first covenant that we're reading about here, really what it does is it serves as a copy 
and a shadow of heavenly things that Hebrews uh, eight five talks about. Um, and actually, let's read that really quick. Uh, Hebrews right before book of James. Hebrews chapter 8, he says, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 8, yeah, 8, 5, and you know, we'll back up a couple verses, we'll just start with verse 1, it says, now this is the main point of the things we are saying Uh, We have such a high priest who is seated on the right hand of the throne of the majesty of the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Uh, Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Speaking of Jesus, uh, for if he were on earth, uh, he would not be a priest since there are priests uh, who offer the gifts according to the law who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. And he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Uh, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is, speaking of Jesus, also the mediator of a better covenant, uh, which was established with better promises. So, you know, we're reading about the old, learning about the old covenant, but now Jesus is, is the new mediator, like Moses was the mediator, uh, for an even greater covenant than that we are under. So, you know, a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels too, in war- even the warnings that God uh, gives. Um, you know, the New Testament gives the guarantee that all the laws and the feasts were fulfilled and they were prophetic of Christ. Um, you know, it's this... Uh, like we had just read, you know, it's a much more excellent ministry, a better covenant established on better promises. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, uh, can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year after year, make those who approach perfect. Um, you know, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, like we said, better promises being a better ministry. Um, He's our righteous advocate. So, moving along, um, starting with verse 29, going back to uh, Exodus 34 here, um, this last little uh, section here, uh, we see uh, the, the renewed appearance of Moses as as he descends back to the camp of Israel in verse 29. Uh, you know, Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hands. We see in verse 29, and, uh, these are the replacement of the original two that Moses had broken at, you know, the foot of the mountain due to the, the worship of the golden calf. Uh, and these contain the same, uh, 10 commandments. The people of Israel had heard Yahweh speak out from Mount Sinai, um, and we see in verse 29 that Moses did not know that the skin of his face had been shining while he had been speaking with Yahweh. Uh, you know, it says that uh, plain and clear. Uh, the word uh, shown here means to literally to send out rays, you know. Uh, 
This could only be due to the Shekinah glory of Yahweh as Moses was in God's presence. And that's what's, what's shining out. Um, Moses was so aware you know, of the presence of God that he was unaware of the effect God was having on his person. You know? And I think that's a really neat thing to, to remember. It's a mark that we are to have when we're serving the Lord as, you know, as unto the Lord uh, as an extension uh, to the people of God. We're not concerned or so occupied with, with us, with ourselves. You know? Um, you know, the renewed appearance of Moses uh, caused an appropriate response by those in the camp. We see verse uh, 30 through 32. Uh, in verse 30, we see uh, that Aaron and all the children of Israel, they, they were stunned. Uh, you know, they were afraid to come near him, it says. <laughs> uh, they were kind of taken aback. Um, you know, and it says when they saw Moses, that word simply means they, they uh, to see or to perceive. Uh but it says when they reacted to the sight, um, it, it's emphasizing an unexpected surprise, you know, the way he looked. Uh, that, that, that's what it means there. Um, you know, Moses' face here, it's, it's radiating, you know, like we said, the effect of the Shekinah glory of God, uh, much like the moon reflects the, the, the brilliance of the sun. You know, the moon itself is not a light source, as we know. Uh, the sun is. The sun's the light source. Uh, yet the moon reflects the sun and it gives us light, you know. Uh, the moon's not all full of itself thinking it's all that. <laughs> you know, it just simply reflects the, the, the light of the sun. And, and this is how we are to be, you know. Uh, as, as we're serving the Lord, we're, we know that it is God working through us, you know, and we're not the source. Uh, the glory in the end goes to God when we have that mindset. Um, you know, so in verse 30, it says that Aaron and the children of Israel, they stayed back. You know, they're kind of freaked out for a little bit. And, and it says they were afraid to come near him. Uh, but the the word afraid actually means to stand in awe, kind of with the idea of a reverence. Uh, and and you know now God has reestablished the authority of Moses here as before, and the people now recognize the close connection between Moses and Yahweh and the law that He's imparting to them. You know all of that's been reestablished now, and that's why it says they were kind of taken aback because it was it's an idea of reverence just understanding the full picture here you know what god is doing and how moses is is their connection to god and, and with the law and all of that um but in in verse 31 we see that moses you know he 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 calls to the people uh it says in verse 31 that moses talked with them you know, Moses was humble. You know, he talked with the people, it says. You know, uh, it did not affect his view of, of self-importance in any way. You know, he, uh, he was so unaware of his presence that it didn't affect that view. Um, you know, in, in our life in Christ, as, as we serve the Lord, uh, 
you know, we got to ask ourselves sometimes, you know, do we have the world's mentality thinking, you know, as we serve God, we're climbing, you know, this ladder uh, to be viewed as more important. Uh, or do we, you know, that's the worldly view. That's the kind of what we learn, you know, in corporate world or whatever. But there's there, there's a kingdom mentality where we become in time more and more of, of, of the servant. And that's what Moses was the exam, an example of. Um, you know, we really, we serve a God of an upside down kingdom, you know, where the first is last and the last is first. Um, Moses is the same person that had gone up to the mountain, a sinful man like the rest of us, you know, uh, all that he was and all that they were seeing was really the work of God. You know, he was just like everybody else, but it was God that was working through him, um, So it says in verse 31 that Aaron and the congregation uh, returned to him, to Moses. Um, you know, the humble and loving attitude of Moses humbled them even, you know, and, and, and that, that's what happens here. The radiating glow off his face caused them to revere Moses out of respect, you know. Uh, it says, like we said earlier, Moses talks with them. He's the chosen mediator, uh, and Moses has succeeded uh, in his mediation with God for the people. Um, and in verse 32, we see how that Moses reconciles the people back to God. You know, and that was the goal there, really. You know, Moses uh, says that afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with them on Mount Sinai. Uh, you know, Moses delivered the authoritative words of God to the people. Uh, in the presence of all, it says, uh, when all the children of Israel came to Moses, you know, Moses let them come to him. He wasn't above them in any way. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, personal responsibility to obey, he gives them the commandments, and and it says that they are commandments. You know, they're not they're not suggestions here. You know, they're dealing with a covenant between them and God in 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 this scenario here. Um, it says in verse thirty two that Moses delivers the entire revelation that Yahweh gave to him, um, all that the Lord had spoken with him, including the Ten Commandments. Uh, civil judgments, statutes of the ordinances, plus uh, instructions for, you know, building of the tabernacle, priesthood, etc., starting back with chapter 19, you know, a few weeks or months ago. He gives it all to them. Uh, on Mount Sinai, uh, you know, this marks the historical and geographical location of the renewed covenant uh, to become the people of God. This is where it all happens. You know, uh, this is the geographical location where Israel becomes God's people, you know, and this covenant is renewed and, and this is, this is where it's happening. Um, so then, you know, in verse 33, it says, uh, Moses had finished speaking with them and then they end up putting this veil on his face. Uh, you know, this renewed appearance of Moses really establishes a unique authority with with the people. Um, 
you know, in, in view of his face shining, uh, when Moses was done speaking to them, he would put a veil on his face. Verse 33 says, um, you know, like God, Moses did not want to intimidate the people. You know, he's humble. That's why he put it on his face. You know, <laughs> he didn't want to scare them too much, I guess, you know, but so he would cover his face. Um, but like God, Moses was also communicating that there's a distinction between uh, him and the people in a, in a proper way that God had established. Uh, you know, in view of his shining face, Moses would take the veil off when he went in before the Lord to speak with him. And when he came out, uh, he would cover his face uh, and speak to the children of Israel whenever he had been commanded to. We see that in verse uh, 34. Uh, you know, Moses was the chosen leader by, by Yahweh, as we know. He wasn't chosen by himself. Um, and, and at this point, notice that nobody's questioning Moses' authority anymore. They're not saying, you know, who is Moses anymore? <laughs> you know, it's been reestablished here. Uh, Moses was the only one who could approach God until the tabernacle was built. And then he had the priests and, and so forth. But at this point, Moses, that was, that was, that was their link to God you know, was through Moses. And likewise today, you know, Jesus is our connection to God, you know, same under the new covenant. Um, so yeah, verse 35, it just says, you know, in view of his shining face, whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses at the skin of Moses face shone, uh, that Moses would have the veil on his face again as he went in to go to speak with with him with the Lord. Uh, Moses continued to veil his face as the people would come to him, uh, and he continued to unveil his face as he went to God. Um, there was no need for Moses to keep the veil on when he was talking to God, because at this at that point he's one with God as he's speaking to God. You know he's communicating. He's the mediator. He's the go between. So he doesn't need that veil at that point. Um, everyone keeps asking to bring you guys on camera. <laughs> they want to see your guys' face. So I'm going to flip it around here. <laughs> All right, they are they are looking at you guys now. <laughs> so, you know, much like the president uh, of the United States represents the people of the United States, so Moses is representing the people of God, so to speak. It's it's there's similarities there. Just kind of gives us an idea. Um, you know, and we as Christians. You know, how does this all apply to us? You know, you know, as Christians, you know, we're ambassadors for Christ, you know, to give out only God's word like Moses was giving the law. You know, we are to take the gospel into the whole world. The Great Commission we read about in Matthew 28. Um, you know, go, therefore, make disciples of the nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things as I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, you know, we're to provide people with uh, biblical answers in, as far as questions of life, eternity, you know, and, and such. 
First uh, Peter three fifteen says, "Sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense for anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in us, uh, with meekness and with fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who uh, revile and persecute you." Uh, may be ashamed, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. <coughs> um, so that's one thing we can take with us. Um, you know, the Bible's clear that there is to be a recognized respect for those leaders in the church who are godly and faithful to the call of God on their lives, you know, in the way that people respected Moses. I mean, we can practice the same. First um, uh, Timothy five seventeen says, Let the elders who rule... Well, be counted uh, worthy of, of honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. So that's something for us to keep in mind. First uh, Thessalonians 5, uh, 12 to 13 says, We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You know, be at peace among yourselves. So that's something else. Uh, uh, Hebrews thirteen seven says, "Remember those who rule over you, uh, who have spoken the word of God to you, uh, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct." So he's talking about you know people in the church and those that God has has put in positions o- over others. Um, uh, Obey those who rule over you. It says in uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, uh, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those uh, who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Um, so something else to take out of this uh, with us today. Um, you know, and the authority of ministry really is, is from God. It's not from man, and it is limited by the word of God, you know, not beyond it. You know, there's there's always going to be those who try to abuse that power and such, but they're going outside of what the Word of God says. You know, uh, you know, like in the Book of Acts, you see there's instances and in, that had to be dealt with. You know, in that same manner, Ananias and Sapphira and, and such. Um, and uh, and and even in our present generation, you know, there are those who may who will abuse power and authority in the church, but there are also the faithful servants, you know, and those we are to, you know, uh, uh, reverend and respect as the Lord would have us to. Um, there are a few ways a person can know if the authority uh, of their leadership is from God and exercised for the good of the people. There's a, a few ways we can know that. One, uh, you know, they, they don't promote the establishing of their church, you know. Uh, they don't beg people or pressure us uh, others for for money. Um, you know they're scriptural as far as views on money. Um, you know we we see ministries and churches that have grown and matured as God has added to the church, like we see in the Book of Acts, not through uh, techniques or marketing. You know, um, uh, and seeing you know God has opened doors and provided mission work to be involved. You know, in in the world in their church. Um, and and the ministry having a high integrity, you know, even in bookkeeping and all of that, you know, blameless, like like the scriptures talk about, and Paul talks about. Um, it's kind of interesting. Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse fourteen through eighteen, Paul gives us a commentary on going back to Moses's face shining. Paul gives a commentary on the the shining of Moses' face. Uh, 
as the temporary giving of the law until grace in Christ. Uh, it, it says that uh, we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, speaking of the law, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Uh, uh, but if the ministry of death, you know, the law written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. He's saying if, if the old covenant was glorious, uh, and, and which that glory was passing away because the new covenant was was on its way. How much will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious the covenant that we're under. Uh, for if the ministry of, of condemnation had glory, speaking of the old covenant, the ministry of righteousness, the new covenant, exceeds much more in glory. You know, for even uh, what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what was passing away, the old covenant was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Uh, therefore, since we have such hope, uh, we use great boldness of speech, uh, unlike Moses, uh, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds uh, were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Speaking of Israel, because of the veil, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Uh, now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's no more veil, but we all with unveiled face beholding as the mirror of the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Um, you know, that's Paul giving a whole commentary, you know, Old Testament versus New Testament on Moses' face shining. You know, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Um, you know, so we see the implications about Moses through the renewed covenant, and we see that it was the doing of God. Um, so having said that, uh, you know, this was the covenant renewal on Mount Sinai, you know, by Moses. Uh, we see Moses uh, interceding to renew the covenant, you know, and then being accepted by God. We see Moses imparting, you know, the new covenant uh, and that it was declared by God. And we saw uh, the implications about Moses through the renewed covenant. And we saw that it was the doing of God. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff, you know, a lot to take with us. And, and, um, and may we do that as we move forward from here. So um, let us pray. Lord, we do want to come before you, Lord. We do thank you once again, Lord, just for your word and for, Lord, even in the Old Testament, the things that foreshadow the things in the New Testament, Lord, the new covenant that we're under. And, and we thank you for that, Lord, the covenant of grace. And uh, Lord, may we be like Moses, Lord. May we have hearts that are humble towards you and towards the people of God, Lord, as we serve them. Uh, may we not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, Lord. And... Um, and Lord, may we boldly speak uh, uh, forth the, the new covenant uh, to the world, Lord, as, as it's, our, it's our responsibility as believers, Lord. We just thank you uh, for your word, Lord, and, and we pray we'd leave this place uh, filled with things of you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.